and welcome to another episode of the Fox Rugby Podcast. I'm Sam Worthington. I am going to be your Sean Maloney uh, for this edition. He's over in Paris uh, living the good life while we slave away here. So we've got a very special guest, uh, a debut for Natalie Yanitas, the Fox Sports sideline eye and Fox Sports News presenter. Welcome, Natalie. I'm a little bit disappointed that it has taken you guys this long to get me in, but I'm here, so let's hope that we have a little bit of fun. Off the long it's, run. It's been a very sexist regime under under Sean, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're starting to, to, to loosen things up here. Christy, uh, Doran, welcome. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. And great got a to girl be name. S- great to be seated <laughs> next to Nellie, thanks for the little bit of banter. That's probably why you haven't been invited <laughs> For so long, a couple of years. She's already into us. Yeah, I've got the unisex name and you've probably got a more feminine name. So we've, we've been trying, but this is the real thing. A, a debut for a woman on the podcast. Huge, huge breakthrough. Lovely. Um, let's rip into it. We've got the, the Rugby World Cup draw to, to kick things off this week. Um, Wednesday evening it was and uh, took about half an hour to actually start by the time they did all their introductions. And, um, and, and the, the Prime Minister, actually, the Japanese Prime Minister, said it was he'd, he'd never been so fired up than to, than to draw names out of a, a pool. It was uh, spectacular lying, I think, from the Prime Minister, to be honest. But, uh, but there was plenty of bells and whistles before we got into the, the draw itself. So let's face it, a, a pretty... Pretty good draw for Australia. I know that uh, Michael Checker sort of played that down afterwards, um, but he, he couldn't have really drawn it that better, could he, that, the, the draw that they did get? So he might have played it down, but I can't imagine that Michael Checker would have been upset at all. He would have just been fist-pumping under the desk and I everything. So. He would have been pretty happy with that one. I mean, Georgia, Wales. The Bl- only way it could have maybe been better was... I don't think it could have. No, couldn't it, have been better. It, it, well, I think it certainly couldn't have. And, and now that uh, Richard Graham's at Georgia as well, look, it's probably a better result even still. Oh, um, Christy. Look. You're not allowed to say it on fellow, air, Christy. He's a fellow Queenslander. Fellow Queenslander. But the reality is that, that the Reds and the, and the Force performed horribly under, underneath him. But, but in all seriousness, though, I think Richard Graham's probably going to be uh, – he's meant to be an assistant coach. And, and there's – there's a couple of guys, a couple of examples out there perhaps at the moment where you've seen assistant coach not quite crack it at, uh, in, in the head coaching role. Um, and, and, and good luck to, to Richard. I believe he's got six block stints that he's doing over there between mixing in Georgia and in, and in Brisbane. So um, it'll be interesting. And, and the great Georgian uh, captain is pulling up stumps as well. He was one you of the... going to give us the name there? I, I've got the name, but it seems God, like you're God scratching. Mamuka Gogodza. Yeah, 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 indeed. He was one of the, the stars, name. I thought, of the, the 2015 World Cup. So, um, good result, though, to have to have Wales in there. And it's yeah. a side that Australia's had the wood over for a number of years. And, and Warren Gatlin will be thinking, oh, look, it's probably a good result for us too because reality is that uh, Australian Wales are, are by far the two strongest that are going to be in Pool D. Yeah, like you say, it's remarkable the record that Australia does have against Wales 12 in a row. Like it, Wales are a good team. It's just amazing how it's worked that way. They, they will lose them at some point, obviously. Let's hope it's not at the next World Cup. And, and Georgia are an improving nation, uh, big big forwards, but they're, they're not likely to, to seriously threaten the Wallabies, we'd hope. Um, but I think uh, there is potential for this group to be a little bit tougher than some people think. With uh, they, they play the Oceania number one team, which is likely to be Fiji at this mm-hmm. stage. Um, I think you had a chat to the Fiji coach, Christy, and, and the other team um, from, from America's is going to be either USA and Canada. So like, they're all going to be competitive games, I think, but uh, realistically, uh, Australia would be, be hoping to top that pool. You wouldn't expect there to be too many, maybe the Georgia game, but you wouldn't expect there to be too many walkovers in that pool, I wouldn't imagine. 
imagine. You've got to be on your guard. And complacency is very important. That complacency doesn't slip into the Wallabies' minds. We've seen it happen in sports so often, and we just have to make sure that they're really on the ball. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I did speak to John McKay the other day, and and uh, Fiji coming out here in f- in four weeks' time to to play the Wallabies. So that could be the the last time that Australia might meet Fiji before the World Cup. Um, ben Volavola, I believe, will be fly half, and um, McKay's pretty interested in, in seeing him at ten. He, he obviously played at ten throughout the World Cup, and he only actually had eighteen months in preparation leading up to the last World Cup campaign, coming in as as coach. So. Uh, with four years, a four-year cycle to be able to hone the combinations, he's pretty optimistic about how the team can, can go. They're on eight points in their Oceania um, uh, World Cup qualification at the moment. Samoa on four points and Tonga on one, I believe. So uh, Fiji, have, after having a couple of home games last year, will now play the two away fixtures. So certainly no walkovers. We know that Samoa and Tonga, Samoa's had a couple of famous victories in World Cups so that they we, we all know that they're going to be uh, a challenge away. Yeah, I think uh, the fits, sorry, net to cut you off there. The Fiji uh, coach's b- biggest job must be which wingers to pick. One, he's got about twenty amazing, amazing wingers that are six foot, hundred kgs that can run uh, under ten seconds. That must be his biggest challenge each week. I would have thought, John McKay. Yeah, he was certainly p- uh, pretty excited about getting his hands on those guys. The likes of Tuasova, you've got Namani Nadolo, Patrick Osborne from the, the Highlanders who will be going over. So, so, so many wing options. They've all been named to come over to, to yeah, Australia for this June Test Series. They, yeah. they have. And uh, I asked him on Issy Nicerani because he's the big back roller who's playing uh, with the, the Western Force at the moment. And I said, look, what, did you have your, your eyes on him? And uh, McKee said that, look, at the moment we're looking for experience. We want to make sure that we secure our World Cup qualification. But he's certainly uh, got his eyes on him. But they're thinking, oh, geez, could go either way. Just on Fiji's development, also don't forget that they're likely to have an NRC team in the mm. competition this year as well. So they'll get, a, about that. they'll get a chance to play against Australian teams every week. They'll get exposure. They'll understand the way the Australians play, travel, all those kinds of things, professionalism, and that's going to hold them in pretty good stead as well. Yeah, it's a good development for Fiji and rugby to have that, but it's it's it's, it's certainly a step. They've got a, a long way to go because there, there's a big difference, obviously, between NRC and Super Rugby and obviously international rugby. So a small step, but it's certainly you're right now. But is, up until is a good this one. point, they haven't even had NRC. Yeah. No. No. So it's an improvement so. regardless. Yeah, definitely. You definitely. two squabbling already. Good to see. Good <laughs> to see. It's crazy that they do that this draw two and a half years out. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I know they've, they've got their reasons for, for planning and logistics, but seriously, like that, the, the world rankings could be completely upside down again. I mean, we had Argentina, um, which we'll get to shortly. They're ninth at the moment, so they've... They were always the the group of death team, and the draw it came down to either England or, or Australia getting thrown in that uh, group of death with the, with the last draw, and, and and Bill Beaumont, the former England international uh, world rugby chairman, pulled out England um, as, as the group of death team. So we'll we'll move to that with uh, England, Argentina, and France. Um, I think most people agree. Uh, you know. Whether it's football, uh, rugby, we always have this group of death to look at and it seems pretty obvious that that's the one this time around. Yeah, it seems to be that way. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you've got the All Blacks and South Africa in one group, which is kind of crazy when you think about it, just such powerful rugby nations in history. But then you look at... So that's probably a more powerful group with those two in there. But then you've got the England-France-Argentina group and maybe a little bit more evenly matched, especially... I mean, there's a couple of real danger games there, and we saw what Argentina did 
at the 2015 World Cup. And we've seen what they've done with the Haguaras as well. Like, Super Rugby would be an incredible development step for them le- leading into this World Cup. Yeah, certainly. Well, yeah, even 2007, they, they, they finished uh, third place and um, took kind of the world by storm. I think that was probably one of the, the first moments where we thought, geez, Argentina, they're, they're, they're on the rise, aren't they? And um, uh, that will be a huge huge group and it both France particularly and England uh, they're, they're, they're rising they're, they're, they're getting better you just had to look at France throughout the Six Nations they've got a couple of good young halves running around with uh, with Serin the half back and then you've got the, the great pick'em holes and they've got some very very good players who are elusive that can uh, lots of offloads and they remind me a little bit of how New Zealand play um, particularly in the forward pack, so let's not go that far. I was going to say, <laughs> settle, Christy. It will be it will be a great great pool and, and a couple of early matches to look forward to. But like on the on the on the what two and a half years before the the, the World Cup actually is played to have the draw, I don't really mind too much because reality is the All Blacks is by far and away the best team in the world, and perhaps yes, certainly England is number two. But reality is from from nations seeded number three to about eight or nine. You could play a, uh, throw a blanket over them. They're all about the same, I think. Um, Argentina, obviously, have got the unfortunate one. They were, they were, they were ninth, and they, they weren't quite in those top two uh, tiers. But yeah. at least uh, it, 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 there's a bit of excitement early on and that you can look forward, you can start planning, and it's not just the, the, the nations that will be planning their itineraries, but I suppose the punters can, can start thinking about their, yep. their movements too. Yeah, and we, uh, we got some... Pretty funny reactions from the coaches uh, after the draw. We had the French coach, uh, Guy Noves, I think his name is, uh, part of my French. and He basically put his uh, head in his hands and said, oh, no, it's a, it's a death draw. And he was he was pretty distraught. <laughs> not, 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 not great uh, body language from, from Guy. But then uh, old mate Eddie Jones stepped up and, and had basically took the piss out of the whole situation. And um, he started getting asked about the, the group of death and, and he subsequently proclaimed he was off to, to visit the temples and start a, a round of praying so he uh, <laughs> he was classic Eddie Jones taking the piss there I don't I don't think he's too worried he'll back himself to to top that pool and uh, likely that we'll, we'll see France and Argentina battling it out for, the, for that other spot but uh, I, I think maybe in a, in a quieter moment uh, I'm sure Eddie Jones would, would if you gave him truth serum he would have preferred the pool that the Wallabies ended up with surely you know what it's it's not a great pool but I think we can agree it's probably not as bad as the one Australia got dealt at the 2015 World Cup with England and Wales. This is probably yep. a little bit better for England. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair on form. But, but yeah, France are building um, and Argentina are possibly going in the other direction. So that it's so far out, isn't it? Who knows how they're going to be performing. I'm pretty excited about Japan in Pool A because you've got Ireland and Scotland, obviously two famous rugby nations. But the Scots, they... they, um, they their win over Japan in the 2015 World Cup meant that basically the Japanese couldn't, uh, the Brave Blossoms couldn't quite get there. Whether or not they can in 2019 as a host nation qualify for the, the final eight would be a marvellous result and they'll certainly be targeting that. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how they go. Yeah, I think most people would say that's the softest of, of those uh, groups. But um, yeah, Japan, they'll fancy their chances of... Ireland might be a bridge too far, but uh, I mean, if they bet the Springboks, so anything's possible. But but that Scotland game, they'll, they'll definitely be targeting. And uh, I think that will be a very competitive and closely fought group as well. So huge expectations 
expectation uh, as a home World Cup, isn't it? You know, and given what they did last time, um, there's going to be huge expectations. So whether um, Jamie Joseph's got a big job there to, to build the team up again like Eddie Jones did and, and get them all believing. So. Very good coach, though. Yeah. Good Absolutely. hands to, Absolutely. to have. Should we move into Super Rugby? Yeah, let's do it. it. Must we? It's about an hour away from <laughs> kicking off, so we probably, uh, <laughs> we probably showed a bit of a late podcast this week. But uh, we'll rip through the Australian games, um, kicking off with uh, certainly one of the games of the round, the, the Brumbies and the Lions down there in, in Canberra. And it's hard to kind of overstate the importance of this game. If the Brumbies can uh, knock over the Lions, uh, last year's finalists in, in great form, um, they, they really pull away in the Australian Conference, don't they? And, and make themselves hard to hard to catch. Especially with the Waratahs having a bye this weekend. This game is so vital for the Brumbies to get... And for confidence as well, to get a win over a non-Australian side, granted, it, it's going to be a hurdle for them. The Lions have been in incredible form. We saw what they did to the Rebels last weekend, and they're probably, oh, no, they're definitely the pick of the South African teams at the moment. In fact, they're probably one of the, outside the Kiwi teams, they're probably the only other side that are really holding themselves in good stead, looking into the final series. So... It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough one for the Brumbies, but we know what they're like. They'll fight until the death, and they're gonna make it hard for the Lions. The Lions actually said during the week that they play like the Bulls, the Brumbies. I'm not sure how true that actually is, but I think the idea is that behind a compliment, it, compliment or a criticism? apparently it was a compliment, <laughs> and it, the idea behind it was that they are a physical side and um, they play they play quite a, a nice defensive style of play even though they're trying to be a little bit more rounded as a team especially in attack so it's going to be interesting but fingers crossed the Brumbies can get a win pretty settled side that the Brumbies have put out this week well a, a couple of changes and I suppose the big one is Kyle Godwin comes back into the midfield so uh, obviously a, a pretty capable kicker he's got fairly good hands he made his test debut last year so it's a big inclusion for him to come in at 12 um, and there are a couple of changes in the back row you've got Jared Butler who comes in for Chris Alcock at number seven at open side flanker a very good player uh, Benny Alexander starting no Scott CEO so uh, a couple of changes but yeah look I think the Brumbies would fancy themselves after having that week off being fresh the lines although a couple of couple of good wins let's be honest they've They've, they've played uh, the Rebels last week and they're struggling. So how much you can actually read into that performance, that 80-minute performance, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Um, Tom Banks, a little bit hard done by to get dropped, I thought. I thought he showed a fair bit uh, the previous match. Uh, plenty of pace, surprising pace, actually. And, yeah, I was, I was surprised uh, to see after Stephen Larkin said some nice things about him to, to go back to Aiden Toll. Yeah, yeah, I... I, I probably agree a little bit maybe they've gone for the kicking option like Toa can probably uh, a little bit more capable with with the boot uh, but Banks to being off the off the bench is a pretty good result James Dargaville on the on the wing too handy player he's been playing Super Rugby for a couple of years now so we'll we'll, we'll see uh, it's hard to say which one which way it will go uh, the cold night the frosty chilled air in, in Canberra might 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 help the the Brumbies out in this particular league. There you go. So you're so, sort of sitting on the fence. Ned, are you, uh, you willing to put your reputation on the line here? About an hour out from kickoff. I think the Lions are going to win, but I don't want to say it. Yeah, I'm thinking Lions think in a close Lions one, but happy, happy to be proven wrong. Just I think, speaking I of think it will be close. Temperature, how, how um, warm is it? <laughs> it's getting hot <laughs> in, in here, jo people. In Johannesburg, if they play at altitude, wouldn't it be cold there as well? Oh, it's, it's pretty, I think. We're Can you Google that for us? We, we, we no, I um, we have we no coverage. 
All right, well, on that note, we'll move on to the, the following game, and I guess this is the, the big one for, for Aussie fans, the derby match uh, between the Rebels and the Reds uh, down there in Melbourne. And as, as you alluded to, uh, the Rebels had a bit of a touch-up at the hands of the Lions last week. Um, and th this afternoon, we've, we've finally seen a little bit of uh, emotion from um, Rebels coach Tony McGahn uh, speaking to the media. He's admitted that, uh, that the club is doing it tough, and I... I think that's the the right thing to do. I think he was asked about it a few weeks ago, and he said, "Oh, we've we've addressed that as a group, and that's the last we'll be talking about it." And that's just that, that seems like a silly, naive thing to say to me. Like, of course, um, of course, the, the players, the staff are all going to be feeling this. It's it's their lives uh, at stake. And I think, yeah, the rebels are suddenly playing catch up to the the force who have kind of mobilised their community and and got people rallying them around them. Um, the Rebels are now kind of playing catch-up on that front, aren't they? Well, they were caught off guard, weren't they? They, yep. they really just did not see this coming at all. And yep. I, I think the force, for the last 12 months, really, have kind of known, like, we've got to start putting some plans into action. Um, so so they've galvanised. And the support, like, it's been there. Not a bad crowd the other week with 13,000 being there. But... The Rebels just last week, 6,000 yeah. in Melbourne. That's nothing. It is really nothing. So it's about time, that, as you say, that McGahn showed something. Down in the dumps, the team is down in the dumps. They need a co some confidence, something to go their way. Yeah, they've been very blasé about it, haven't they, the Rebels, up until this point. I think that they just assumed that they were safe. Yeah. Like, that's the impression that you get. They got. They say they got assurances behind the scenes that they were safe, weren't they? And then that's been disputed. So. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, from what I've heard, like from the managers and from the ARU even um, saying to the club that it looked like they were going to be safe and the players thought they were going to be safe and now they've found themselves in this real situation where they've got to play for their livelihoods and also we've got to remember that the international window is open at the moment as well so that would be putting a lot of pressure on players as well that transfer to sign over in Europe so that I think closes around the end of May yeah. Might. So there's going to be a lot of players looking at their future in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's su surprising that we haven't heard more of potential player movements, uh, I think, given given that uncertainty, isn't it? And we can expect that to, to start trickling out now. So. Yeah, and I know that we've been talking about this is just affecting the Rebels and the Force and one of those two teams that ultimately does get cut. But it's now that we start to think that the other teams the Queensland, the Waratahs, the Brumbies, they're going to start to get affected because it's so difficult to have forward thinking um, to think... 2018, like the Reds have almost written off the year. They've got to start thinking about next year almost. Who, who do, is there a couple of players that we're interested in? Uh, do we look at bringing home an overseas player? It's uh, that the Waratahs are losing Will Skelton. Who the heck's going to come in to replace him? And maybe even Dean Mum in the second row. There, there's a lot of thought that needs to be considered, like and, and bloody quickly too, because. Six to eight weeks is what McGahn said today. It might take until we, we find out which team this gets cut. By that stage, we're in July. Yep. Um, and and the Super Rugby season, we're just about at the finals. So. Yeah. Well, Sanzar are meeting in Tokyo today, aren't they? But the, they've already preemptively said you, you don't expect, don't hold your breath uh, to make any decisions because you can just imagine them sitting around uh, the boardroom table in Tokyo going, OK, guys, you've agreed to... To cut teams, how, how are you going with that? And they're, they're going to have to say, well, not very well. It's pretty well, quiet on the South African <laughs> front, isn't it? They're just waiting to see what happens in Australia. Yeah. Because, I mean, if there's a lawsuit, then 
it could happen that we don't lose any Super Rugby teams. I think that's and I think that's becoming more and more a, a possibility. They're playing which is, in very cool South Africa. Well, yeah, well they're taking the more deliberate approach, aren't they? They've they they've they haven't said any teams are safe. They're saying all six of you go away and sort of present your case and, and taking a, a more deliberate, slower process. Whereas the Aussies uh, had that press conference and, and went right into it, and that's probably backfired on them a little bit, not having their, their ducks in a row. Just on Super Rugby signings, I don't know if you guys saw this during the week, but there was an article, I think it might have been on, oh, I can't remember where the article was, but it was about Jeff Parling coming and playing for an Australian Super Rugby side. Now, that strikes me as odd for a number of reasons. A, who's looking at signing international an international lock? an English lock but also if we're going to have fewer Australian teams and that means fewer spots for Australian players so why are we starting to think about investing in international players well, I suppose it's not a new phenomenon that we're, we're getting international players you just have to look at Thomas Cabela who even uh, the, the Brumbies fly half there's there's been a whole string of players over the years from like Hendrick Tui um, uh, uh, Marfie down at the Rebels so I don't mind the idea of having one or two players here or there, but you've also got to be like thinking specifically about which positions. Uh, yep. You don't like uh, with a fly half position. You've only got five of them in the country that are going to be starting, as opposed to a, a forward pack or a back row where you've got a whole truckload that you, you generally churn through throughout the year. You'd have to with, with the imports. I think they need to be clearly better than any other Aussie alternative. Otherwise, what's what's the point really? You'd have to. You have to say, Parling is a yeah. He's obviously a, a good test player, but there's a lot of good op- good locks coming through Australian rugby. So yeah, you do have to to question that line of, of thinking. I just course. think it's a little concerning when we're likely to lose a Super Rugby team. So what's that like? Yeah. 30, 30 jobs right there, and yeah. starting to look at international talent. I just think it's a little concerning. That's all. For sure. And uh, well, let's have a look at the Reds side of the equation. Um, remarkably, they're still in the in the race despite having a horrible season themselves. Um, uh, if they're serious about making a run for the finals, this is clearly a, a game they need to win. And Christy Nett, looking through their, their team sheets, uh, are they going to be able to knock over the, the Rebels down at Amy Park? You'd think that they've probably got more experience and probably just a little bit more talent as well. Obviously, X Factor with uh, Quade Cooper in there as well. Nick Frisbee comes back into the starting yeah. side. What After do you After a very long holiday. Well, I, he I suppose he's been, he's been on the bench, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. James Tuttle gone out of the twenty-three. Um, Frisbee, we we know what he he often a, a lot of box kicks. He can play field position. Um, I suppose he's had a he's had a shocking year. There's no other way to describe it. Off the back of last year, which um, he was promising, I think. I don't think he was fantastic, but but given the Reds' dire year last year, Frisbee was probably one of the one of the happier moments and one of the one of the better players to emerge out of that. Uh, but certainly he went two steps backwards this year. So an opportunity for him, and with the Test window, with the Junior International Series just around the corner. He he like he he would be thinking first and foremost he's got to play well this this Saturday afternoon Saturday evening but a couple of good performances you, you've been part of that Wallaby setup Will Genny is unlikely to feature in all three perhaps one or two um, yes that's a disappointing thing for him isn't it because like you say there is a job going there at the the Wallabies and, and Frisbee had it last year but uh, he, he certainly heard his chances he's, he's he'll grasped have, it hasn't he'll he? have to he'll have to play out of the skin over the next few weeks to, to feature in junior, you'd have to say. I wouldn't have so thought he'd be thinking about Wallaby's selection <laughs> right now. No. 
<laughs> One person who certainly will be, though, Carmichael Hunt. He comes back in yep. at, at 15, so that's a huge inclusion. That's probably the big one for the Reds. They missed him a little bit last week against the Chiefs, uh, but I think on the whole, the forward pack was just crushed last week. Um, so against the Rebels, it, it, it's basically they've really got to win that, that forward the tight five particularly, I think um, the, the Rebels welcome back Sean McMahon for the first time this year off the yes. bench. Huge inclusion. Huge. Haven't the Rebels yeah. missed him? He's been the biggest loss by far this year, I think, in yes. any of the five Australian Super, Super Rugby, Rugby clubs. Player of the Year last year, wasn't he? So it doesn't get any better than that. So. He was phenomenal last year. So massive inclusion. Um, and and the Rebels have got the likes of Will Miller to come off the bench. So they're starting to get a couple of their mm. troops back. It's, obviously, it's far too late in the season. Uh, with only the the one win and one draw, they've got no chance uh, going forward. The Reds, they, the Reds should win, but we've been saying it all year, haven't we? Yeah, I agree. I think <laughs> the the Reds. I think this will probably be a game with a lot of errors, but I think there will also be some good attacking rugby and and, and some good tries scored. So uh, yeah, I think Reds in a a pretty high scoring one. I think we can expect an entertaining game. Yep. I mean, a lot's been said about Super Rug- Australian Super Rugby teams this season, but every Australian derby has been a highly entertaining match. Look at that um, that Waratahs-Rebels match earlier in the season. I think it might have been round five. That's one of the best Australian derbies we've seen in years. So I expect it to be pretty entertaining. Well said. It's not all doom and gloom. There has been some, some good derbies, so... Quite right, and Indeed. let's move on to the uh, the Sunday morning over your bacon and eggs game, the the Force and the Hagiwadis. I think it'll be their must be their first uh, trip over there for the Force. Um, so all pretty new for them. First time um, they played them. Yeah, so you're ha- pretty excited about seeing Peter Grant back at 15. Yeah, uh, look, I just. With all due respect to Peter, he's going to be one of the slower world uh, fullbacks in world rugby history, isn't he? But uh, a huge boot on him. So I think they've probably shown their hand there with uh, a lot of kicking. They're going to try and play uh, play some territory rather than uh, you know to, to run around against the, the Hagiwetis who, who do play this fast offloading game. So do they have any chance over there? It's going to be very, very tough. Uh, I struggle to see them... Um, seriously threatening a win but they are competitive in a lot of games the force I can see them hanging around for 60 minutes before maybe maybe fading they've been a lot better this season that's for sure I enjoy watching them yeah they're showing some ticker at least yeah exactly which we can't say for a couple of the other Australian sides at the moment but anyway moving right along the thing that gets me about the Western Force at the moment they've got two wins and they've got this rotation policy in place What's your take on that? It strikes me as odd. Surely you want to have your best team on the park. It's not like they're going to play finals if if they don't get wins on the board. But also, they had a couple of players go over to Argentina. They've now sent them back to Australia. So it just seems like unnecessary travel expenses and a whole lot of other things like that. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think Dave Whistles has done a, a great job over there. But the, the selection side of things, I think maybe he'll, at the end of the season, reflect back and, and, and wonder. I mean, it's it's one thing to rotate if you've got really classy players. I know he's obviously trying to encourage that squad mentality, but I agree. Uh, a team like the Force, you do have to, more weeks than not, just play your best 15 to, to get a win. And uh, I, I just wonder why he uh, went away from John O'Lance at 10. Uh, he, he's one of their better players and, and, and a pretty calm head there. So uh, I think you're bang on there. Just you've got to question one of those, some of those decisions. Uh, just just before you go, Christy, uh, one of the bigger lock pairings in, in world rugby, um, I think 4.12 metres we're looking at with uh, big Richie Arnold, Rory's brother, and, and Adam Coleman back in there. So uh, that's uh, that'll be something to watch against the big uh, big Pumas boys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's good to see Adam Coleman back. Uh, what a revelation he was last year. What do you make of his beard? Big question. That's why we brought you in, the burning questions. <laughs> 
I couldn't care too much about it. Couldn't care too much about it, to be honest. But seems like you've got some pretty clear thoughts, Ned. No, I just saw a picture the other day. I was wondering what the fashionista that is Christy Doran thought of it. Positive, negative reaction? What was it? I have no views either way. I was just curious as to Christy's. He's on tour, so I think he can probably get away with it. But um, but I I think it's interesting that the two of you have kind of hit out at the rotation policy. I think it's not just the force that have been doing it. All the all the Australian Super Rugby teams and they're all doing badly. But but you know what? I think it's it's a little bit. I think it's interesting, Sam. We've had a number of discussions about this throughout the the year that Australian Super Rugby players or teams don't rest star talent, and they they just each week just continue to roll them out and roll them out. I think it's actually a good move. I think, look, reality is that um, a lot of the Australian players, uh, seven of the top ten to the fastest uh, to a hundred caps are Australian in Super Rugby history, and and that's because we don't rest our top line players. Uh, it's the long and the short of it. Yet yeah, we're struggling, but if if Michael Checker, I'm sure he's probably said throughout uh, the, the the preseason, the off season, look, we need to start to figure out ways and how we can, uh, if we have any opportunities, to give our frontline players the odd rest. And and I think ultimately it's a it's a good long term decision. Yeah, Shane, Super Rugby sides are struggling, but look, if you push them and give them that extra week here or there, what's going to be the negative? Um, in, in weeks to come, in months to come, perhaps they're carrying niggling injuries mentally. Are they fatigued? Um, I, I don't mind it. I think uh, it's it's hard enough winning in Argentina, let alone when, when you're the force and you're struggling. Um, there, there's no Tatafa Pilota now this week. There's a couple of other guys throughout the season that we've seen rested. So be it. A passionate defensive rest, inspiring stuff, Christy. I'm going to go have a lie down after this. Just <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone through the uh, we've gone through the Aussie games there. Other other sort of highlights in the weekend: uh, the Crusaders and the Hurricanes will be uh, an obvious uh, classic, hopefully down there in Christchurch uh, between two of the real title contenders. And we've also got the the Paris Sevens uh, kicking off tomorrow night on on Fox Sports as well. And we've seen a, a real improving Australian men's team recently, haven't we? So. Uh, Hopefully they can go one step further and uh, go go from the semis into the into the final. But uh, I think, well, unless you guys have got any other well, thoughts, Sam, we can, just, we can just wrap before up we there. wrap up, I know you skimmed over the, the Hurricanes Crusaders mm. clash very quickly. What are your thoughts there? I know that you're a Wellington boy. Yep, uh, very excited about this game. I'll be chucking the jersey on and watching it somewhere while you work uh, tomorrow. But yeah, look. Uh, Reasonably confident about the Hurricanes' chances. Uh, the Crusaders, I guess, have had a couple of setbacks with uh, no Kieran Reid and Sam Whitelock uh, is out with suspension. And they have to travel back from South Africa, where, whereas uh, the Hurricanes have only had to hop on a flight from Wellington. So, yeah, look, it's uh, it's going to be an absolute belter. I, I, I do like the chances of the Canes finally handing those, those Crusaders boys their first loss of the season. Even in Christchurch? Yeah, I think so. I think they've... Uh, for, for years, the Canes were tormented by the Crusaders and they always used to, to get us in the big games, but we've, we've flipped the, the tables on them in recent years and uh, we've kind of had the wood on them. So, knock on wood, I'm quietly uh, optimistic. There we are. There we are. <laughs> You've heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, stellar debut, Nat. Congrats, Thank you. Thank you for having me. I think uh, we hopefully won't rest you too long and you can get back uh, back into the rotation. Thanks for having me. Very offended that it's taken this long, but I'm glad to finally be here. Well, Evan, thanks for uh, Evan, everyone. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you all next week.